Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Go ahead. Make my day. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'll have what she's having. This is The Business of Hell. I'm Simon Rose, talking as ever to James Cameron Wilson after hearing those three wonderful film clips from, what well, I suppose now, the Golden Age of Cinema. I always used to think of the Golden Age of Cinema as being the, the 30s and 40s, but I guess anything now from the 30s to the 70s, James. So we, though, are up to date uh, in 2022. What are we going to be talking about in the box office today? Well, you may recollect we had something of a heat wave about 10 days ago, and people avoided the cinema like the plague. I and do, and we've said umpteen times it makes no real sense because the cinema is one of the most reliably cool places you can go. Well, it's interesting because I happen to be in London on the hottest day in history in this country, mm. and I ended up in church because my friend I was meeting was two hours late, <laughs> and, I, and that was blissfully cool. <laughs> and I could have gone to the cinema, but I didn't have time. Anyway, um, but things are slightly cooler. So up from the previous weekend, we have now jumped 17.6%, with only two entries in the top 10 actually seeing a dip. So mm-hmm. this is all good news for the cinema world. So at number one, Minions, The Rise of Gru has jumped up 15% and made three million pounds over the last weekend, now for a total of 28.2 million quid. So it's now leapt over 4-4, or Thor, Love and Thunder, which is the fourth four. It gets very confusing, 4-4. But that actually went down 25%. That was one of the casualties of the weekend. Uh, which just you, made a you, few you called a very expensive rom-com, which you thought most Marvel fans weren't expecting. It's funny, more and more people I talk to loathed it, which makes me think that some critics are really out of touch with the public. Mm. Well, I chose to follow your advice and I didn't go and see it, whereas I, I think had was... been planning to because I saw one rather good review. Well, um... I, okay, I admit when I go, uh, when I'm wrong, and it, that uh, multiverse film that you absolutely mm. adored. Um, I know most people did Something like it. somewhere all at once. Yes, I got an invite to the, the uh, Prince Charles Theatre in London where there's an, an extended edition of that, though I think it actually is just some, some outtakes that they're able to play and do a Q&A. Okay, okay. So well, I admit extended. that I'm in a minority, but I think where 4-4 is concerned, I'm actually in a majority, yes. apart from a few critics who thought it was really funny. Well, there have to be different opinions. If there weren't, we'd only need one film critic, and that would be terrible. Well, it, indeed, yes. Anyway, it's now made a total of 26.5 million. And we have a new film at number three called Where the Craw Dads Sing. Now, I think it's really important, Simon, to know how long a film is before you enter a cinema. I checked the running time 
on the View website, which told me it was one hour, 33 minutes. Well, what? <laughs> one hour, 33 minutes. Okay. That's, yes. that's not unduly short, but I I'm just disappointed. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Have you seen it? Yes. Oh, oh, of course. Yes. Well, yes, I have. I have seen it. And I think I looked it up somewhere else first. And it told me it was much longer than that. Okay. Well, I was disappointed the fact that it was had such a short running time mm. as I've been looking forward to it and was willing right. to succumb to its pleasures for at least a couple of hours. Yes. But then while I was watching it, I was beginning to get quite fidgety because I was expecting it to end. I think I've got this inbuilt film clock. Yes, of course. And, of course, when I left the cinema, I realised it was 125 minutes, which is actually a perfect length for the material. Now, yeah. I know I am rather anal about running times, but a film, just like a book and a piece of music, has a perfect length. So I now want to go back and watch it again, which is this drama set in North Carolina, adapted from Delia Owen's publishing phenomenon which topped the New York Times bestseller list for two years in a row. Part really? of the reason, I hadn't realised that, gosh. Yeah, it sold 12 million copies. Part of the reason I was looking forward to it was, A, it wasn't a superhero movie or a cartoon, and B, it was starring Daisy Edgar-Jones, the actress I loved in the BBC hit Normal People, mm. uh, Normal People and in the ingenious body horror thriller Fresh still possibly the best film I have seen this year, currently available on Disney+. Plus. But Dear Daisy, who was born in London, is a genuine English rose, both by build and by complexion. Having said that, she wowed me in fresh as an intelligent 20-something from Portland, Oregon. But And stop me if I've already said this, I do know North Carolina extremely mm. well. I was married there. And I really wasn't convinced by Daisy Edgar-Jones' southern accent. It sounded just like the same American accent she used in Fresh. And I noticed, because I look at credits, that Francie Brown was the dialect, dialect coach for both films. Mm. And I think she's better at standard American. Anyway, this is the story of an outsider who lives on her own in a shack in a coastal swamp and is dubbed the Marsh Girl by the residents of the nearby town. She is abused by her brutish father who tells her not to talk to strangers, which is fine, until her mother runs off and then one by one each of her older siblings until she's left alone with her father. When she receives a letter from her mother, she is overjoyed only to watch as he sets light to it without even reading it to her. Being a backwards girl, Kaya is illiterate and has only the wildlife around her to capture her imagination. Then one day, when she's still very young, her father walks out as well. Terrified of strangers, she has to make do on her own and manages to make ends meet by selling the mussels she collects from the swamp to the kindly proprietors of the nearest town, uh, the nearest store in town. The year is 1969, when we find Kaya uh, along with a nearby body, a corpse in the swamp. And immediately she is suspected of foul play, even though there is no evidence to suggest that it was a murder. But now Kaya is fully grown and is played by Daisy Edgar-Jones. And before the flashbacks, we see a virtually mute, frightened girl carted off to prison and put on trial for murder. As the former lawyer, Tom Milton, a gentle, sympathetic David Strathairn, listens to the gossip in the local bar, he decides to come out of retirement 
to defend the Marsh girl, as he calls her. But locked away in her cell, she refuses to talk to, to, talk to him, as she has been coached not to talk to outsiders, even though he is the only person who can save her from the electric chair. She must be guilty because she is an outsider herself and because the townsfolk know no better. If this isn't emotive enough, the director, Olivia Newman, lays on the atmosphere with a wonderfully evocative score by Michael Danner and sumptuous scenery with the usual lashings of Spanish moss, abundant wildlife, and even the occasional alligator, which apparently you can find in the southernmost regions of North Carolina. I'd be very interested to know, I think my problem with the film is that Daisy Edgar Jones is miscast. I never believed for a minute that she was this girl from the marsh. But I think it's a beautiful, a very strong story. I think it's beautifully mounted. I think David Strathairn is wonderful. He always is. He is, uh, of course, from Nomadland, uh, notably recently. Uh, what did you think of it? I was disappointed. I had not read the book. Um, and obviously it is possible to get things over in a book that you find more difficult on screen. I thought she's a she's a great actress. I, I didn't have a problem with the accent because I don't know the area well. Right, okay. I thought some of the scenery was actually beautiful, but I just didn't believe her in the situation for one minute. She's illiterate, but she is staggeringly eloquent, which and given poised. how yeah, and give and beautiful. And given her upbringing, I found that very hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also thought I just didn't understand why the town people were shunning her when she's you know you practically got what looks like a a, a runway model, uh, you know, popping into town selling these mussels she's harvested i mean i just it just to me made no sense and then the twist at the end but hey, hey, we don't was, talk about twists well i just found it completely unbelievable so i was not bored but i was disappointed yeah, yeah i was a little disappointed but i just enjoyed the atmosphere mainly yes and i'm and glad it's what, doing the, okay. scenery, the scenery is absolutely splendid yeah it's um, shot in louisiana Yes. I, I've never seen North Carolina look like that. But. No. Well, I know why. And I know North Carolina better it'll than have, I know England. It'll, yes, it'll have a lot to do with tax breaks in various states, I'm sure, uh, James. Uh, Hitchcock, it was, of course, who said that the, uh, the length of the film should be directly, inversely related to the duration of the, or the endurance of the human bladder. And that one wasn't too long, I didn't feel. I did know roughly what it was going to be. No, I in. wish I'd known it was longer because I wanted it to be longer. Yes. And I think it needs that length to tell that story. It's interesting. I'm usually the other way around. I usually want to check before I want to make sure it's not going to be over two and a half hours. Very few films, I think, deserve that. But more and more of them, especially the superhero ones, just go on forever. James, it's a good moment for us, I think, just to take a brief breather. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film, where I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we talk about Where the Crawdads Sing, which is number three in the chart. And what did it actually manage to take, James? 
it made £1.3 million, which I think mm. for a relatively relatively low budget starring an unknown actress to most people mm. was very But as impressive. you say, massively successful book. Yes. Mm. Uh, how many people do you know have read it? Uh, quite a lot, actually. Oh, OK, fair enough. Because it, it, it came out, I think, during lockdown, didn't it? And so as far, almost everybody I've spoken to seems yeah, it's to about two, it, uh, other than yes, me. Yes, it was 2018 it came out. Oh, well, most people seem to have read it in lockdown, though, which is 2020. Um, well, book, books hang around. That's the great yes, thing about books. Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, at number four, we have Elvis, which is up 22%, which made £1.2 million last weekend with, for a total of 184 at five, Top Gun Maverick went up 34% from the previous wow. weekend for 1.1 million. It's now the 11th highest grossing film of all time in the UK market, having ousted, as I predicted, Beauty and the Beast last weekend, as well as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 and Toy Story 3, all in the last week. Soon, what's, its, what's its total? Its total now is seventy-four point two million pounds. So soon it could find itself in the all-time top ten. So it's just got to make another two and a half million pounds to do that. Okay. Uh, we have a surprise entry. Well, at least for me, at number six, Prima Facie, which is a part oh, of the yes. NT Live uh, theatre direct streaming events. With uh, this is Susie Miller's one-woman play in which Jodie Comer plays Tessa a criminal defence barrister. I almost went to see it, actually, but I'd had, I'd been in London all week and I was just exhausted and from the heat oh, and everything. And I, I didn't. I know people who have both seen the play and also seen this, and it's, it is coming again to cinemas. I know maybe only in London, but I know there is another chance to see it. I think I won't be around, but I'm told by people it is absolutely extraordinary and an amazing um, tour de force by one actor. She um, is amazing, isn't she? So and it made 447,000. And it was only one on day. one day, yes. Yeah. Which is terrific, which is, yeah, almost unheard of. It's incredible. That, that's not NT Live. Is it an NT production or it's something yeah, else? Yeah, it's NT Live. It is yeah. NT Live. Okay. It is. And at number seven, we've got Jurassic World Dominion up 12%, with a total of 33.2 million quid. And the other casualty of the weekend was the railway children return, which actually went down 15%. And I think the reason being, it's not really geared for children today who would rather go to see Minions, mm. The Rise of Gru. And of yep. course, it's very sad that Bernard Cribbins, who played Albert Perks, the train yes. porter in the original, just died this morning, as of this recording, at the age of 93. I know. A star very of the original sad. railway children. And odd enough, Radio 3, which I had on in the background, decided to play a Bernard Cribbins song. And I thought, oh, great, we're going to get right, Ted Fred, or Hole in the Ground, or even Winkle Picker Shoes, um, or Going <laughs> Quietly Bonkers. I had Bernard Cribbins' album many years ago. Um, but no, they played um, him from My Fair Lady singing uh, I've Grown Accustomed to Her Face. And it's absolutely lovely. Seek it oh. out on YouTube. It's so, so lovely. Anyway, so... Back uh, to the chart. Great uh, at light, uh, light year is at number nine, which was at number seven, and that went up 30%. It's not a bad film. It's a Pixar film. Mm. It's just not as good as we expect from Pixar. That's got a total of now 9.7 million quid. And at number 10, which was at number eight, we have The Black Phone, which is a thriller bordering on horror which mm -hmm. went up 17%, which considering it's a summer holidays was quite surprising. It now has a total of 3.9 million pounds. 
I would now like to talk about a DVD, if I may. Yes, of course, of course. And on the subject of running times, I think it is important to know that my DVD of the month, Drive My Car, is three hours long. I don't care how long a film is, so long as it can hold my attention and that I know it's a long one going in. Mm. And Drive My Car, directed by Raisuki Hamaguchi, is a genuine original. Just as I think I've seen every type of film possible, along comes one that just rips up the rule book. For a start, the opening credits begin 50 minutes, that's five zero minutes, <laughs> into the film. That's almost an hour, and then the opening credits begin, at the point when most films have run out of steam. The great thing about it is the implicit trust that Hamaguchi has in his audience. Maybe I should also point out that Drive My Car won the London Film Critics Circle Award for Best Foreign Language Film, as well as the BAFTA, the Golden Globe, and indeed the Oscar in the same category, mm. along with an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, making it the first Japanese film to be so honoured. It was also named Best Picture by the New York and the Los Angeles Critic Circles, as well as by the National Society of Film Critics of America. And that is quite a haul for one single movie. Mm. What is so striking about it is that one just cannot predict where it will go next. And although it's spinning out a number of narrative trajectories, they all come together at the end, at least on an emotional level. So far be it for me to tell you what the film is about, other than to say its themes are the theatre, tragedy, and a turbo, turbo Saab, although it encompasses a good deal more, obviously. The idea of a three-hour movie set largely in a car may sound off-putting, but visually it is quite captivating, and at times it feels more like a road movie, although primarily it is set in Hiroshima. At times, it reminded me of the French film In the House, directed by Francois Ozon. Oh, which, which I a, love, yeah. Okay. In which a French lit teacher, played by Fabrice Luchini, becomes involved in the progress of a story that his student is writing as it evolves in the imagination of his 16-year-old student, affecting its outcome. Here in Drive My Car, we have an actor and well-known theatre director who is married to a TV <laughs> scriptwriter, Otto who is in the process of creating a treatment for a new screenplay. The story itself, which only comes to her after she's come, proved to be a delicate creative process in which Oto's husband, Kafuku, is obviously very personally involved. And it's a fascinating tale in which a very shy, this is the tale that she's telling, this is the treatment, about a very shy schoolgirl who breaks into the home of a boy she loves from afar on a daily basis, where she leaves a love token and steals a token in return from his bedroom without him knowing. Essentially then, Drive My Car is about storytelling and how art and real life interweave. And as we are watching it, it is sometimes almost impossible to tell where artifice ends and real life begins as more characters are drawn into the narrative. I will say that Samuel Beckett and Chekhov play a major part and the result is a hugely affecting and I found constantly mesmerizing 
experience. It's one of the most thought-provoking, nuanced, grown-up, psychologically dense and surprising films I have seen in yeah. years. Didn't um, do terribly well in the cinemas, did it? I can barely remember it arriving. I'm assuming it did. Are you saying that a three-hour Japanese film set in a Saab didn't do well at the cinema? Well, James, it is perfectly, but, you know, if <laughs> word of mouth is good and the critics love it, you know, all manner of films. Yeah, well, know, it's worth saying. I think it works well at home. Um, it is oh, well, that's good to know. Okay, that's good to know. Okay. I, I, I looked at it on Blu-ray, and it, it just looked fantastic. Because okay. it is a road movie as well. So let's drive my car. Um, so what else? I guess we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous now. Um, well, uh, yeah, yes, indeed. Um, okay, I was just going to say something more about it. I mean, often with original and complex films, they have a way with connecting with the viewer on a very personal level. Level, And there's one... Have you seen Drive My Car? I haven't, I'm afraid, no. Okay. Well, there's one character in it, Takasuki, who has achieved some success on a very personal level. Mm. Um, uh, and he's a, quite a well-known actor on television and now wants to be taken seriously as an actor on stage, but is being haunted by people taking his photograph on their mobile phones in public. This happens a lot, both in Japan and in England, where people pretend they're not taking a photograph of you with their mobile phone. But, and both countries are relatively reserved in their approach to celebrity. Mm. Now, a good friend of mine has recently achieved some fame mm. and says that the omnipresent mobile phone was an intrusion that he really hadn't foreseen. But at least, he says, in America, they are more open with him and demand a selfie. So he knows where he stands. But I digress. This, anyway, this was, it was interesting. There's so much in Drive My Car. Um, okay. So you want to discuss a, another film, I think, Thriller. Uh, yeah, uh, this is The Grey Man on Netflix. There is one moment. Well, OK, I'd like to talk at this in greater length because I've got a real beef with this, but I will mention it briefly in passing because I went, I was so annoyed by The Grey Man. I went back to see The International, directed by Tom Tikva, with Clive Owen and Naomi Watts. Did you ever see The International? I don't think so. There's this wonderful opening scene outside the central station in Berlin, and it opens very low-key where a man gets out of a car, walks... You don't even notice it. You have to rewind on the DVD to see it. And he's obviously been hit by something, a poison. And a minute later, you see him vomiting on the road and dying. Hmm. Now, the same sequence in The Grey Man, where somebody takes a hit, we've got... Ryan Gosling playing a character called Six, as in the character played by Patrick McGowan in The Prisoner way back in the 60s. And he's given a hit and he meets in a Bangkok nightclub. And there's this huge casket there with, with what looks like a rocket launcher. And he has through two wall, uh, two ceilings and the ceiling above him is glass, and there's a nightclub and a dance going on, and the ceiling above that is also glass. And he has to fire this rocket launcher through all these people dancing in order to get a hit. And the film pretty much continues in that vein. It is so over the top and so improbable. 
I think people who love action thrillers will get a lot out of it. And the, the really real reason for seeing it is Chris Evans, who just chews the scenery as a killer, who does terrible things. Um, yeah, but thrillers have to be have some degree of plausibility, surely. Otherwise, there's, what's the point? I, I know. And I'm not a huge fan of the Russo brothers. Uh, they did Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. Hmm. And Chris Evans played Captain America in the filmmakers, Captain America, the Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. And he does devour the scenery with relish, whether pulling out the fingernails of a beleaguered old colleague or barking out such in instructions hmm. as make him dead. But perhaps his worst crime is his down-market 1960s casual wear and mortifying haircut. Nonetheless, Evans, who we are used to as principled, heroic figures, is having a field day as the personification of narcissistic evil. In spite of everything, I kind of eventually enjoyed it because the action scenes are just so well done. Anyway, I'll end there. Um, it is what it is. Okay, that's The Grey Man on Netflix. Clearly, you much prefer Drive My Car, which is oh, out on oh, DVD oh, and yes. Blu-ray. James, thank you very much indeed. We will have more business of film at the same time next week. Good morning, Vietnam! What we've got here is failure to communicate. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> 